You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey, everybody. I would be telling tales out of school if I said I did not hit the wrong button there. But I am excited to bring you another episode of Sound of Sanity. You mean that's not our new theme music? You think that that should be our new theme music? No, I don't. Okay. (laughs) Me neither. It's terrible. Excuse me, sir. You failed. Fail. You failed. Got some new sound effects, guys. <laughs> yes, we do. We're so excited. <laughs> Locked wow. and loaded. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. I'm Nathan, your humble and obedient host. We've got Benjamin Sulzer, the preacher who's a teacher of sanity right there. Hello. Hello, mi amigo. <laughs> <laughs> Caramba. <laughs> Burro. <laughs> El burro es animale muy importante. Yes, it is. <laughs> Mi, it's one of three phrases I know in Spanish. Mi mujer es bonita. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that was fine. Yeah, I, I think that was totally perfectly Spanish. Yeah, it's awesome. yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I have any Spanish sound effects here. Ooh, no, I do not. Let me see if I have any Latin. I've got a whole bunch. I've got plate scratch. Oh, oh. Sorry, sorry, oh. sorry. Yeah, stop that. Ah! I don't know how to stop it. Are you playing it again and again? Yeah, but you didn't have to stop it. Sorry, folks. In your face, sucker! I got that one. Uh, that's from me for playing the plate side. I'm sorry, folks. Listen, we got to get to the show. Did we introduce the pastor who's a master of uh, sanity? No. All right, Ben, why don't you go ahead and do that? It's the pastor who's a master of sanity, Jake Mensel. Yay! <laughs> Happy Halloween! All right, folks. <laughs> I got a whole... New board full of sound effects, but I've also got the old sound effects that you know and love. And that is the signal that it's time to begin the show proper. Of course, Sound of Sanity, the show where we bring some much needed sanity to your life. I thought we'd talk about something that happened to me a weekend or two ago. I guess, was it this weekend? No, no. no. This weekend was Easter. Time flies when you're having fun. So I got canceled for the second time. Yeah. Or whatever you want to call it. You got the mob came out with pitchforks for yes, you. Yes. They came to my house. They chased me through a windmill and tried to burn me to the ground. Torches and pitchforks were much involved. Torches and pitchforks were much involved. I think it is interesting to talk about the differences between where I'm at or where the culture's at or where things are at in terms of how it went down this time so i guess very briefly my old cancellation the first time the mob came after me was what year would that have been jake like well we were just we had just launched our website yeah for warhorn media so for those who don't know warhorn media started as a newsletter that became a magazine that nathan and i founded that became a blog that became books and podcasts and music that eventually brought in they had tim bailey to right and all kinds of stuff like yep. that but eventually initially it was just me and nathan and friends yeah and we were exploring twitter and writing articles and things like that nathan wrote a little article called an open letter to ray and it was fodder for the mob yes madness um, ensued so 
We never quite traced it back to its roots, but I do believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that a Star Trek writer got a hold of this article. This article was a faux imaginary letter to Ray, the character from Star Wars, which was who was a topical character at the time, and I, I understand is going to be a topical character yet again. Yeah. But it was to her, it was to Sarah Connor, it was to like all these fictional warrior badass chicks, and it was saying, hey, you're not being godly. That's not biblical femininity, basically. So there are things that I don't love about that article. There were certainly some things that my critics took advantage of in the article, some places I opened myself up to attack in the article. You can find the article still online. It's called An Open Letter to Ray. But basically, it's just making a biological and biblical case for biblical sexuality and for why dopey movies with black widows and furiosas and things like that are stupid and silly and ungodly and and actually indicative of the fact that a bunch of silly women actresses are very willing to obey their patriarchy that they operate under mm-hmm. which is a hollywood machine that wants to make money off of them and their bodies so that's the article and nothing on earth could compel me to go back and actually read it in full right now. I think we'd agree with all the truth behind the article. Maybe the rhetoric could use a little work. I think I learned a lesson in rhetoric from this, actually. Yeah, well, this is like 12 years ago, I think, at yeah, this point. This was a long time ago now. Or maybe not quite that long. Maybe no. like seven years ago. Yeah, but a lot's happened in that seven mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Uh, it was a long time ago now. So anyway... Lesson that I always tell people I learned very briefly was just that I thought that my my media savvy would save me, that I could actually appease the mob preemptively by saying, hey, look at me. I get all the references. I've seen all the movies. I'm a pretty cool guy. So you can't be offended by my truth because I'm one of you. And they were like, uh, no, you're not. You want us to repent and you should burn. Therefore, we hate your guts. Therefore, we hate your guts. And it taught me a valuable lesson. All that kind of Keller-style apologetic, you know, we just have to be Winston. It's not that we have to be as mean and nasty and abrasive as possible. I don't believe that. And I think certainly planting Church of the King, we've learned many good lessons about how to be salt and light to people, how to be Jews to Jews, and, and so on. So don't take too much out of this. But basically, you know what? If you're the aroma of death to somebody... You can't hope to mask that with a little perfume. And so all the people that are like, I just need to see a movie or I need to be conversant and whatever their conversation is, whatever their language is, eh, I don't buy it anymore. I, I learned my lesson. I was the aroma of death and they hated me. And the way that they hated me was the mob came after me and somehow it hit Facebook and then it hit Twitter and we were getting hundreds of malicious logins to our website a day, our tweet feed, our Twitter feeds, my personal Twitter feed, Warhorn's Twitter feed. Jake's maybe even to some extent, we're all yeah. just getting blasted with hundreds of, I don't think it'd be an exaggeration to say thousands of. There were, our website had, I think more than, we had six figure unique vig- visitors like in the space of a couple hours. Right. Which we had just launched. We had, we were new. We were trying to, get the word out that we existed at that point right and so and then bam hundreds of thousands of people suddenly hitting the website to read the article and 
yeah, it got real ugly real quick and was hard to keep up with. Yeah, my my people are trying to maliciously log into our website. Meanwhile, my password is like one two three password or something like that because I'm 94 years old. <laughs> but it's just one of those crazy things. And we actually take Nathan's a small group leader in our church, and that means that his personal information is up on the website for people to find his small group. And so we take all his personal information off the church website because he's getting death threats and right. all kinds of nastiness. It was crazy. I don't think, you know, I don't want to hype it too much. I don't think anyone was actually going to kill me. What they would do a lot of is, here's a picture of biblical femininity, and it would be a painting of jail putting the tent peg through the guy's head or the apocryphal story of Judith where she cuts the dude's head off, pretty similar type stories. And they'd take pictures and paintings and statues and things of these, and they'd say either this is biblical femininity, or in some cases this should happen to you, or Photoshop your head onto things, right? And then people would say Daisy Ridley should bench press you into the sun, and there was just all this stuff. Some a lot of it was ridiculous, some of it was hurtful. The big thing that I had said in the article was, as men, we have bodies crafted for war, and that was a mistake. Because it turned out at the time, I did not have a body that was particularly crafted for war. And boy, did my uh, friends on the internet have fun pointing that one out. They'd be like, yeah, you're crafted to go to Ben and Jerry's there, Tubby. (laughs) (laughs) Your neckbeard is crafted to go to war with a razor. Actually, those are better insults than anything that they came up with. Completely unoriginal. Yeah, mobs are bad at insults. I mean, I like the guy that said Daisy Ridley should bench press you into the sun. There was some good stuff. But (laughs) mostly it was just, you should die. You're a dinosaur. You're stupid. People wrote blog posts. There were Reddit threads. Well, and then then you have a... Yeah, with the Daisy Ridley should bench press you into the sun type stuff. There was also like, did you see that Daisy Ridley can deadlift 135 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, type stuff alongside it? It's like, have you ever lifted a weight in your life? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's good? That's... <laughs> Is that good for a woman? I don't know. My 14-year-old son could go do that. I mean, I was nothing. I was at the police academy one time when my brother was graduating to become a police officer, which he was for several years, and they had the st- the, the big award statistics up on the wall, and it was like 104 pull-ups for the guys, and then the girls, it was like seven. seven or, I mean, and, and that's not an exaggeration. I think right. maybe it was like 84 for the guys and maybe not double digits for the girls. So, yeah, guys have to establish their own an upper body strength. I don't know if anyone's ever noticed this before, yeah. but a lot of people hadn't noticed it before. And just hearing it in my article, they were like, wow, you should go back to the dinosaur age. You. Mm-hmm. So it was a big deal. And I apologize for people who have heard this story before. We've certainly talked about it on podcasts before, but it went on for a while. It The brunt of it happened over a weekend and then it went on for a few weeks and I don't know. What was the final count on how many just page views that I don't article know. got? I don't know. It was like hundreds of thousands though, right? Yeah. I mean, we had at the time a like page pop. We had a thing at a bar at the top of our website where you could see, you know, sort of what was hot or what was trending on our website and click that article. And we ended up deleting it because it, it was, was just open letter to Ray. It was just open letter to Ray. Right. And it was never going to go away. It was going to take years to get to to overcome that. And all of the attention was negative. Nobody, this is important to contrast with what happened this time. Nobody wanted to defend. And when I say nobody, I actually mean 
nobody. There were no tweets. There were no articles. There were no think pieces. There was no nothing saying, hey, these guys. I got a few very kind pieces of private correspondence from people thanking me from some a woman that I knew that I used to work with who said thank you. I had no idea. Stuff like that. But overall, it was just them dumping on us. And maybe some of that was just simply that we were unknown. So it's people that would have defended us didn't know who we, we were existed, or that we existed. Or we were worth defending or anything like that. So I don't know that I want to make too much of that, but it is an interesting fact that will play into the rest of this, what we're going to talk about today. Long story short, I went into work one day. I was working a full-time job as a supervisor at a call center while trying to get Warhorn off the ground with Jake and the other men that were working on it. And I walk in and the article has actually hit my workplace. Like those, a fellow supervisor had seen it and she was just like, there's some pretty interesting things that I saw you wrote on the internet, Nathan. And she was never friendly to me again. A number of people were suddenly scared of me, complaining about me, stuff like that. It ended up being a big deal. As I found out later, they convened a meeting. People drove in. Everybody had to drive to Indianapolis to have this meeting of the board to decide what to do about me. And at some Which point, is over an hour away from yeah, Nathan's the, local branch. Right. Like they, they had to go out of their way. Oh, no. How do we solve the Nathan problem? We have this big Nathan problem. Which I sensed they had a Nathan problem, but nobody was telling me. I only felt, found out about this years later. But what ended up happening, as I understand it, is they had this big, long meeting. They were going back and forth. We don't know what to do. Can we fire him? Should we fire him? That sort of thing. And finally, a man who is not a Christian, but just one of those cool dudes that you encounter, a, a man that I love, but who was my direct manager, was like, hey, Nathan's never actually done anything in the workplace. Like, have you, and, th- and this was a new thought to them. Like, Nathan's actually not a sec. Like, whatever Nathan believes, it hasn't made him mistreat women at our job ever. It hasn't come out in any way, shape, Form. So if it affected his job, if it affected the thing we're paying him for, then we could do something. But he's actually really good at his job and we would be losing something if we fired him. And he hasn't none of this like he's allowed to have private opinions. And this was back when this was like still like new, a new sort of thing for people to process, I guess. But they were like, oh, yeah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't thought of that. I was allowed to keep my job and I kept it until Warhorn was able to take me on full time. But that is basically the short version of that story. That was now at least five or six years ago, if not more. And I recently had another much less nasty run in with the mob on Twitter. And those of you who follow me on Twitter or are aware of us on Twitter may be aware of this. So I'm pretty sure the way that this happened was there are accounts that simply, if you've ever seen a movie with a mob, whether it's a French revolution movie or a Frankenstein's monster movie where they're hunting him down, there's always like the little kid or the pipsqueak little dude or the annoying bossy woman character who is running ahead of the mob and pointing out where the person's hiding and saying, Hey, you should go after this guy or he will fled into the barn. Or so there are Twitter accounts like that, that simply troll for things yep. to draw incite the mob to incite the mob. And I think a lady who does that sort of thing found a couple of tweets that I wrote. It reminds me of, we used to 
do this sort of thing at high school basketball games in Indiana, which I don't know that it's tolerated anymore. I've not been to a high school basketball game in a long time here, but people should understand that I think 19 out of the 20 largest high school basketball gyms in the country are in Indiana and are bigger than most college gyms and sometimes have capacities larger than the city or county that they are in. That's how big basketball is here. But we would do this thing where we'd have basically a ringleader in the crowd who would pick a player. And we would do things like, you know, he would do things like he'd find a player to pick on and all of a sudden he'd stand up and he would point at one guy and he would say, boo this man. And the whole crowd Mm -hmm. rains down booze on this one person. (laughs) And then he would say, he'd pick on something, some, something, the dude's hair or something like that. Say his hair sucks. Mm -hmm. The whole crowd, your hair sucks, you know, whatever it is. And it was just sort of like the crowd is a huge factor. Yeah. In these games and how they try to like take a kid out of it, attack a kid's insecurities and weaknesses while he's on the court to try to render him impotent or ineffective. And sometimes it backfires, right? Because you have that one special kid who can feed on that sort of thing and just throw it back in your face and you're actually giving him fuel. Mm -hmm. But a lot of kids, we're talking about 16, 17 year old kids, it can really get in their heads. Right. And so, but that's the way that it works. And this is just sort of like, the same kind of mentality, the same kind of vibe, the same kind of strategy and tactics. You have your ringleader out in the crowd who's going to find the guy who may be scoring points mm-hmm. or may be doing something effective, but looks like he might have a weakness or might not be able to defend himself. And so it might not be able to stand up to the crowd. So we're going to put the spotlight on him and just... right try to pick him apart and see if we can't destroy him and wreck him. And if we do a good enough job, we won't just destroy him and and wreck him for this game. We'll take him out of the game. We'll make him not want to get back on the court. Yeah, the only thing that would make your analogy better is if there was someone that was going between hundreds of basketball courts just trying to find one kid that they really hated so that they could rain down shame and fire and bring the mob there. But it's a perfect analogy for this sort of thing. So they found... Some tweets that I wrote. Should I read the tweets? Should I just let people find the tweets? I don't know. Is it more fun to read them or not read them? I think it's more fun to let people find them. Ben, counter argument? (laughs) I have no counter argument. I thought it might be fun to read a couple, but... I could read like half of them. When I started looking for a wife, I wanted one who was... And then I listed a list that turned out to be very provocative, I guess. And it was intended to be a little provocative. (laughs) Also... It was literally the list that I had when I was looking for a wife. Like it was actually a a true story. Like I just went out and I looked for these four qualities. So basically I was talking about, I was someone in the market for a wife and I wanted one who was deferential, who was obedient, who was godly. And I said that in a provocative way, but it was the work of a moment. And it was literally just taking the actual list of things and being like, I'll put that out there. And You can read that for yourself. The other one, I I guess I will go ahead and read because we have to talk about the J.K. Rowling connection, which is we've buried the lead. Um, Yours truly was dunked on by none other than Joe Rowling, which is pretty (laughs) fun. And in a much cooler way than anybody else. Than anyone else. So that tweet, I'll read this full one, was you can spot a rebellious woman, read feminist, just by the way she walks and dances. I think we spoke that into existence, by the way. 
I think we sat in this room and talked about how much, how cool it would be if we could finally provoke rolling to, to tweet, so tweet or attack us. And she did. Yeah. She did not use my name. She like took a screen grab. Which is part of the coolness of it actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she was, in in one sense, she was being smart and playing a good offensive game in, in terms of not giving me, not driving people to me, denying me an audience. Yeah, which is you could take that how you take it, but that's just good playing the game. Secondly, she wasn't drawing down the ire of the mob on some poor nobody, which in her position of power is really nice, really kind, I think. Like, well, I think I mean, there's all kinds of reads on on that from a strategic standpoint, looking at her. But if you want to make it as charitable as possible, She's a woman who's been on the other side of the mob. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. had death threats and had people show up at her house. Yeah, much worse mm-hmm. than anything. Much I worse than it, anything that any of us will probably ever put up with. Yeah, Lord willing. Yeah. So in any case, we'll get to that. But my tweet there was, you can spot a rebellious woman, read feminist just by the way she walks and dances and stands and goes through doorways. Her body language always says, I don't need anybody. It's very unattractive. Now, I make no apologies for this tweet. It's making a very broad point it's intentionally hyperbolic i think anyone who's reading it in a sensible way understands i'm not literally saying that every time a woman opens a door you can judge whether she's a feminist or not on the other hand it is also true that every time a woman opens a door you can pretty much judge whether she's a feminist or not so it's over the top but it's intended to be read that way. No one's supposed to take it as the literal truth. And any idiot would know that. But that's the tweet. And, and somehow both of those tweets ended up two weekends ago going viral. Like we said, a bad actor found them, spread them. And uh, yeah, suddenly deja vu all over again. Deja vu. Uh, <laughs> it was deja vu, deja vu. <laughs> deja vu, deja vu. Again. Again. The mob found me. It wasn't as like relentless it wasn't the volume but it was hundreds and hundreds of random people that i don't know telling me i'm stupid telling me i'm stuck in the dinosaur age telling me like it's the current year yeah it's 2022 no it's not it's 23 the crazy thing about this is they're doing it to sort of throw off your tyranny and your it's like we don't want to be sucked into your systemic oppression but then the way that they do it is always like this it reminds me of the monty python life of brian thing where brian's in front of the crowd that wants to worship him and he's like you have to think for yourselves and they're they all in unison we have to think for ourselves (laughs) (laughs) it's that dynamic where these people somehow all come up with the exact same insults the exact same jokes in this case it was what it was you should get a dog. That's what you're looking for in a wife. Like, I've got a wife for you, Nathan. It's very obedient and such and such. It's, it's a lab. It's a poodle. This guy doesn't deserve a dog. I mean, I just got mm-hmm. hundreds, literally hundreds of dog jokes. Probably a hundred or more of things mentioning the 1950s. I should go back to the 1950s. Lots of people doing what Miss Rawling did, although she did it better, as we'll talk about, but the whole like making fun of the idea that you could tell that a truly great woman would walk through a door a certain way. You know, like my boyfriend loved the way I 
walk through or just being like, I walk through doors rebelliously and that's what makes me attractive or you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. I woke my husband up so that I could walk through some doors for him. And he says, I'm very boisterous in the way that I walk through doors. I got lots of those. And then some, so some of them you don't mind as much. Some of them are silly. Some of them you almost feel like playfully engaging with. But then there's the stuff like a woman actually trying to organize someone in my state to call CPS. Is there anyone in his town that can call CPS on this guy? And some stuff like that. I don't know that there was any direct death threats. There was certainly you should die again. Like you should. You don't you should, deserve to live. You should be removed from the gene pool. You should be removed from the equation. That That sort of angle on it but the one that truly made me just like uh you know scared frankly was the cps lady Mm. and so yeah that's the thing that happened my observations about this are as follows first and this applies to both times it's happened to me you can get dopamine hits from reading bad things about yourself it is addictive and you do miss it when it goes away I think that truth is true and there's another equal and opposite truth that is true which is it does hurt some people might think like it's a bunch of strangers who cares and i would love to be that guy i in many ways i cast myself as that guy i want to be that guy i pretend to be that guy but if that guy exists i'm not that guy like it does hurt and in some ways the fact that they're strangers hurts more because it's like you don't know me you haven't seen my marriage if you met me i would not whatever i am and whatever disagreements we might have i would not be what you think i am You guys are imagining some kind of weird, based on the obedient wife tweet, it's like, you think I'm in a cult? You think my wife is like this weird child creature or some kind of BDSM thing? I don't know what you're imagining, but... Everyone wants something, someone to hate unambiguously, and our culture has given them permission to hate what you represent. So they will if they can. But then they they just so... Not to your face. They so other me, like I'm saying something obvious here, but it's not fair whatever I, even if I am the villain, like, mm-hmm. let's just say I'm the villain. Let's say my point of view is the villain. I'm a three-dimensional villain and they're not casting me as a, th- like my wife might be insane, but my wife does love me. We might both be crazy, but we're happy. Mm-hmm. Write that villain in your mind. Write someone who actually believes in what he's doing and has had some success. Maybe that's a scarier villain. I don't know, but at least that villain's interesting. What they want to do is the thing we've talked about with James Gunn and Guardians of the Galaxy and just all the pop culture that wants to other the enemy. It's just like, you're a monster and you must be the most deplorable, to use a stupid word, monster possible. Mm-hmm. And so they did that. And that is hurt. But also, you really have to discipline yourself to block and to not engage too much and to you really understand how people spend their lives actually chasing this, just being provocateurs mm-hmm. to draw hate because hate is addicting. Drama is addicting. Conflict is addicting. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a more biblical way to frame that. But these sorts of things, just feeling yourself as the victim is actually- Or feeling the power of invoking rage. Yeah, exactly. Right? There's a certain power and potency that they're giving you by hating you. Yeah, like there are people that spend their I'm, entire I'm weekend worthy, on I'm me. I'm worthy of being your object of scorn and hatred. I live in your head rent-free. Like, I must be really potent and powerful. It's a, In some ways, it's a flattering feeling. You really do feel the power. You and know. I'm right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm right. Yeah, it's addictive. I mean, I think... And you hate me because I'm right. Yeah, you can really feel 
like a martyr, which is a great feeling in a way. You can really feel, yeah, it, it is crazy. Even right now, I feel it. There are people in the world that wasted an entire weekend on Nathan Albertson. And every one of their criticisms and things was projection. Mm-hmm. They were talking about themselves when they were accusing me of having no life, inability to have a happy relationship. It's like, no, I actually have a, I actually have what I'm talking about. I have a happy marriage because I have a, a marriage that is founded on God's word and I have a godly wife and I'm striving to be a godly husband. And you can't have any of it and you're jealous. Right. And so you're gonna accuse me of being exactly what you are and I live now in your head Look at how powerful I am and how powerful I feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it entirely wrong to take a little pleasure in that? I don't know. Probably not. But it's certainly, eh, it's easy to see how people get addicted to it. And just find themselves being provocateurs instead of prophets. Right. Exactly. The difference is love, right? Yeah. Like the difference is going for What's that. What's the aim? Catharsis. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point? But being a provocateur is going for that catharsis Mm -hmm. and the dopamine hits and the sense of power that it gets you by being capable of provoking and being a prophet is actually trying to help people. I would exhort people to not get addicted to this if anyone's out there. I don't want to be cheap about all culture warriors are stupid or anyone who's pilled is stupid or anyone who writes anything on the internet is stupid. We've all spent our lives, a chunk of our lives now doing these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And they're not horrible things to do, but it is very easy to do the cheap, provocative, cathartic version that's not actually helping anyone. And I did, the evidence of that is that when the mob, when I started really ruthlessly blocking and it started to die down, and then when it went away, I really did feel an emptiness like, oh, this, I liked the attention. So that'd be the first point I would make. The second point I would be make, I've already kind of made, which is that zombie-like groupthink is real. Once a mob gets riled up, it really, it was just amazing. Like all the same jokes, all the same memes, all the same. This has been true both times. It's like, there's no originality. If there's anyone out there that's listening who's artistic, be very careful about conflating artistry and rebellion, which is all that Hollywood and uh, pagans want to tell you is that you've got to be an outsider and you've got to be rebellious and you've got to be hateful and unplugged to be creative. And there may be a 3% element of truth to that. I think people who feel like they're outsiders can be creative sometimes. I think there's the true part. But the false part is that letting the hate flow through you actually gives you power. That's what Palpatine wants you to believe, but it's really not true. These people are so boring. They're so uncreative. Their jokes aren't good. Personally, the thing that I do get high off of is like, if we could live in the the days of a Chesterton and a Shaw just going at each other and making their witty comebacks, and he's the Christian and he's the atheist, that could be fun. The Oscar Wilde style, you know, if if Twitter, that's the dream, right? The repartee, all the best ideas rising to the top. Idiots need not apply. Uh, the high level of discourse kind of thing, but it's just all. Oh. Even a Calvin and Servetus kind of thing. Yeah, well, if yeah. you're going to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you've got two dedicated, I don't know how to. A heretic and a not heretic. Right. <laughs> going at it. Fighting for their lives. like Fighting for their lives and with very gut-wrenching and unpleasant consequences since it turns out Calvin actually cared about Servetus's soul and yeah. failed well, to save him, humanly speaking. 
Yeah, that's beyond the purview of this podcast. Know, but yes, yes. Man, people, it, it was just, it's just very, been very striking both times. I, and I think more so this time. If I, if I can take these two things as being indicative of where we are at, if I can draw larger principles for them, man, pe- mobs have got mobbier and people have gotten stupider. Like it's more just unbridled hate and it's less of any kind of discourse or actual reasoning or actual mm-hmm. rationality or anything like that. The other things I would say before we get to J.K. Rowling is that the imprecatory Psalms are there for a reason. And if you've ever actually experienced, I'm not, I've been like horribly persecuted. I do not want to blow either one of these incidents out of proportion. It's just Mm. angry people on the internet, whatever. But when people are talking about calling CPS or something, it's just out of pure hatred. Mm -hmm. Not because they know anything or even know who I am beyond somebody that wrote a tweet that they didn't like. It is nice to be able to pray that God would foil that plan and foil it definitively. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly realize like these things are real and they're not abstractions and they're not sort of pious things that we say, but we, I don't know if I really believe that. No, David wrote them because he was thinking of real people who he wanted to see dashed to pieces. And there, there is a godly way to do that. And you are, and they are a comfort. It is a comfort to realize that God is just that he's your dad, that your enemies are his enemies. Mm-hmm. Okay, the tweet may not have, the one tweet may not have, may or may not have been wise in the way that it was written, but these people ultimately weren't angry with bad rhetoric. They were angry with God's truth. And so it's nice to know that you have God in your corner in a situation like that. Yeah, and it's nice that he is in your corner and you don't have to be fretting about it. My perspective on that weekend is that I didn't know any of it happened. I was not on the internet that we, as I'd been away from Twitter for a while, I'd been busy and I was preparing, like kids are getting into baseball, we're traveling and doing sports and I was preparing to preach on Sunday and Nathan never troubled me with any of it and let me focus on my sermon prep, which as it happened was on how nothing, no persecution can separate us from the love of God as we hit the end of Romans 8. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. So Nathan had enough perspective and strength to not have to feel like he, you know, he could bear it and not call me and need a shoulder to cry on. And God honored that strength, I think, with a, a sermon uniquely tailored to the circumstances yeah. that I knew nothing about. Absolutely. Until after it was all over. <laughs> he didn't even tell me after church, we were busy talking to people and caring for the people of our church. And then later on that afternoon, I finally opened up Twitter for the first time. And at the top of my feed is this tweet from Nathan from like several days prior in that, you know, the for you thing. That's like, we think this is the thing you would most like to see (laughs) since you've last been here. And, you know, and it's like, I looked down, it's like a a million impressions and (laughs) 16,000 replies and, (laughs) what in the world happened? (laughs) (laughs) And then I discovered there was a second one, you Mm -hmm. know, but that was the top one. I was like, what on earth? When did this happen? But I was encouraged and humbled and impressed by the fact that I didn't know about it. Yeah. And I felt like it was beautiful because, you know, not the part of the podcast where I say something humorous to deflect praise (laughs) and not all heroes wear capes. We'll go with that. Uh, And we'll move on. But yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) I appreciate it. 
Is there anything else to say about this before we talk briefly about J.K. Rowling? Mobs are evil. They are purely destructive. There is no good mob. Yeah. I don't care who your target is. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if your target is abortion. I don't care. Name a worthy target. Mobs are monsters that you cannot reason with, that cannot stop once they've started, that only cannot be satiated. That cannot be satiated. They only exist to destroy. I'm all in favor of an executioner because an executioner is told whose heads to cut off and then he cuts them off and then he's done. I'm all in favor of a warrior who draws his sword and dispatches his enemies. I am not in favor of mobs. Mobs are inhuman, awful things. And Christian rabble rousers are unwise, bad people. We should not be riling up the mob. We should not be using the tactics of the mob. I hate it. Now, when I see on Twitter, certain personalities will use the tactic of making fun of someone's profile pic. Yeah, it's a super trendy thing right now. It's a super trendy thing. And woke people have been doing it for a while, but now we do it to the woke. We grab their profile pic and make fun of how effeminate they look or their rainbow hair or their fatness Mm -hmm. or whatever. And what these people, what these... Soy boy expression with their mouth open or whatever. What these people say is we're tired of capitulating to the LGBT, whatever. We're tired of just giving up ground. We want to stand for the truth. We want to hit back. We want mutually assured destruction. We want them to know that we're not Tim Keller we're not, or whoever your go-to example of someone who's Total a sellout. Total war is what you want. Total mm-hmm. war is what you're going to get. And I'm all for not being Tim Keller. I'm all for going to the mattresses in some ways. I'm all for saying we're here and our voices are loud and you cannot cow us. But we don't use the Antifa tactics. Yeah, it's a completely false dichotomy to say the only two options are being a coward or being a jerk. I think mobs, they're just in, they're intrinsic to the problem. They're, in, they're intrinsically gay. They're effeminate. They're a way to be a coward and to hide. To rain down all of your impotence on and feel empowered. Exactly right. While never actually gaining any kind of potency or power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. It's so focused on social acceptance and finding a social, a socially acceptable, accepted crowd and in group. It's group focused and mm-hmm. it's conformity to a group focused, which is a very feminine priority and feminized way of thinking and approaching any kind of problem is appeal to the group, appeal to consensus, develop a social net or frame, and then bring all of that to bear because I simply cannot stand on my own with the truth in hand. It's gay. You're it's right. just gay. You're right. I also just think strategically, cowardly. the whole idea of mutually yeah. assured destruction is so stupid. I saw a Matt Walsh tweet where he said, Trump was being arrested, right? They arrest one of ours. We arrest one of theirs. What we have to do to these people is say, we are both going to be destroyed. The term comes from the Cold War. And you could argue, does nobody watch Dr. Strangelove? Like building the doomsday machine isn't actually what saves us, especially not when your enemy is suicidal. Yeah, we have to be cunning as serpents instead of being dumb and naive. But we also, God insists on making his power known through weakness. He insists on it. Well, and that's not to say that the surrender tactics of taking the moral high ground and 
simply surrendering while pointing out hypocrisy no. are good tactics no. either. No, 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 no not at all. We agree. Dumb. I'm not Ti- trying we're to tired be simplistic. Of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all I, tired I, of I'm that. I'm just saying, but to try to take the violence into your own hands and say, find mutually assured destruction or I'll beat you with your own sword is not a Christian way to approach spiritual war. I think that is absolutely true, and that's the most important thing. But also... What a terrible tactic because they're suicidal. They don't really care if we arrest one of theirs. They're right. ready to die for their gods. Yeah. And so us saying, you're really going to have to die for your gods, it's not going to stop it's them. It's still assuming, it's still projecting a certain amount of sanity onto them. Of rationality, yeah. Of rationality that we assume baseline that they have because we have it. But they're not that self-protective, actually. They don't have anything to live for. To take a fraught example, it would be like saying to the terrorists on 9-11, you know you're going to blow up. You know you're going to blow up if you keep yes. driving this airplane. Yes, I yes, am. It's called jihad. I'm going to have wives in heaven. That's the point. This is what, yeah. I have nothing to live for here. It's the cause. Right. Yeah. It's just like Chesterton's key insight on suicide. As the man who murders himself isn't murdering himself, he's murdering God and the world and everything. And everyone else, yeah. Every flower, every sunny day, every blade of grass, every bunny hopping through a field, he's murdering it all. That's what he's actually murdering. And these people hate God and the world he made that much. I, I, I don't think it's come out yet, but people should listen to our Dr. Strange episode, Strange, Strange Love, Love episode. Hear Ben talk about Herman Kahn. His name's Herman Kahn, right? Yes. And the whole politics of mutually assured destruction, which is insane and atheistic. And you can hear us talk about a lot about it there. A Dr. Strange Love is a brilliant movie making fun of that sort of thing. But we have to realize that this whole tactic of just simply, I want to feel power, so I'm going to be as mob-like as they are, I'm going to be as indiscriminate in my violence as they are, is not the right tactic. Which is not to therefore say, we put away our swords. It's just to say, a focused, godly, smart, wise as serpent attack is a good attack. Just simply running into a fray and getting yourself killed is not godly. Never has been. So, anything more to say about that? J.K. Rowling is a billionaire and can afford, even with all the hate she's gotten, to pretend to live in the world of Chesterton and Shaw, which is, I think, what she did in the way that she came after me. So you'll remember I said, you can spot a rebellious woman, read feminist, but by the way she walks and dances and stands and goes through doorways. Her body language always says, I don't need anybody. It's very unattractive. J.K. Rowling's tweet was, quote, you may scoff, but my own husband's interest in me was first awakened by watching me ricochet haphazardly off a door frame for half an hour before he came to assist me, unquote. <laughs> Which is very funny. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think it would be more fun if we lived in a world where everybody attacks me like that. That's a higher degree of discourse. And I'm just, I don't think I'm lying when I, there were a couple, I don't want to, but there were some funny ones, but mostly it's just like, Pure hate and not a lot of wit. And so J.K. Rowling is taking something that's a little bit ridiculous and over the top about my tweet and drawing attention to it in a silly way. She's not telling people who I am, which is both a good way to deny me an audience and also to not rain down fire on my head. (laughs) So she's doing me a kindness and also not 
propagating the things that she doesn't like about me. And it's just everything you'd expect from the author of that great novel. I was trying to think of the names of one of her novels that aren't Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> that great novel, The Accidental Tourist or something. No, What's her like serious adult novel? See, Miss Rowling, I'm not a master of wit like you are. I have to look up your novel. It's the something something. The Casual Vacancy. Let me take that again. J.K. Rowling, that's the kind of wit and incisive humor you expect by the great novelist who wrote The Casual Vacancy. <sighs> All right, so that happened. Anything else to say about any of that? Gentlemen, mobs, mutually assured destruction, Twitter, J.K. Rowling, obedient wives, feminists walking through doors. Anything? No. I really like your joke. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's also, it's really one of those things that you have to, it took me a minute to work out whether I'd been insulted by it or not. I, it took me a minute too. There was a, there was enough. Uh... I was like, is she telling a real story? <laughs> <laughs> and then actually I saw some other people take it that way. Like some of the. A lot of people did. Yeah. And the then reptiles a lot of people on Twitter. Were, yeah. It's like, like, but you're so used to reading. Access granted. Sorry. You're so used to reading all of the really one dimensional stupid takes that when you get a sophisticated one you know you're tempted to read it as superficially and idiotically as everything else that's come your way and then you have to like wait a minute yeah well and also of course the irony is that in the thread where she wrote that tweet of course there were lots of lizard people saying jk rowling you've betrayed everything you are so right (laughs) i feel no pleasure in that but it is worth noting, I guess. What a crazy world. The other thing I do want to say really quickly, just to close the loop from earlier, is people did jump in to defend me this time, which was awesome. Mm. And I think everybody is just less cowed by the mob, and they have a category for the mob. They understand this is a thing that happens on Twitter and on social media and on the internet. Mm-hmm. I guess we would have said we understood it then, too, but I think much more so now. We're all attuned to the fact that this is part of internet life. Cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if that's the best term for it. But we all understand mobs are going to come after people. And we're all a little bit more prepared. And there were any number of kindly souls who defended me. And that was really cool and really gratifying. And praise God for that. And that's my final thought. Okay, well, like this sound effect says... And like this host says, go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity to support this show. Be part of our discord. Tell us what to talk about. Get early access to discussions about Twitter things that go off the rails. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Until next time. Stay sane.